Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Doing better now, aren't you? Yeah, that's all it takes. Just a moment in his presence, just a moment together, just a moment setting your mind, your heart, your affections on heaven. And uh, he always responds where he is expected. Amen. I always tell people, you get what you expect. Amen. Expect something, get something. Expect nothing, get nothing. But I I don't want to do all this and just walk away with a checkbox next to midweek. I don't want to do all this just to go through the motions. We want real results, don't we? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that's what Paul was aiming at. That's what he was desiring to open up the church's eyes in Corinth. He's helping them see that God is a results-oriented, driven God. It's not a results-oriented God as in a CEO that's just looking for numbers and just looking for, uh, you know, did you meet your quota this month? No, he's looking for results in is, is heaven dominating your life more than the earth is. Have you fully switched over, switched your gears to what I am trying to do in the earth? And will you partner with me? And will you come alongside me? Will you participate with my mission, my call, my assignment? And so we're recognizing that this call to maturity that we've been diving into for the last few weeks is more than just growing up uh, in the spirit. It's more than just becoming educated. It's more than filling our heads with knowledge. It's more than just saying, I've been following God for X amount of years. It's more than being able to spout off information when you're in a debate or a conversation. Maturity in the kingdom of God is how, is how results are produced in our lives. Maturity in the kingdom of God is how results are produced in our lives. And God wants to see those results produced. He wants to see his kingdom coming through you. He said, don't look here and don't look there. For my kingdom is within you, he said. He took this kingdom, he took this invisible realm, this invisible rule, this invisible culture, and said, the way I'm going to demonstrate it through the world, the way I'm going to show the world who I really am, is through you. I will not demonstrate my kingdom apart from my people, my nation, my citizens, right? You know what it means to be a citizen in the United States of America. Do you know what it means to be a citizen in the kingdom of God? We need to know our citizenship, amen? We need to know our rights, you need to know our privileges. Man, if you live in this country and you don't know your rights and your privileges, you'd be talked out of a lot. You, you can go through a lot. You can have people put on you, uh, you know, uh, false pretenses and false expectations where if you know your rights, you can just respond back and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You can't treat me that way. You can't tell me I have to do that. You can't tell me I have to go there. You can't tell me. There are rights. I mean, even when an individual uh, does something uh, they, even when uh, someone, you know, breaks the law and is apprehended, they are still what? Innocent until proven why. There's a justice system that says you have rights. You have right to an attorney. You have right to a defense. You have a right to this and that. And so we need to understand these rights 
in the kingdom of God. The enemy is tricking a lot of people out of their uh, royalty, their priesthood, their identity, their citizenship, because he knows more than you do when it comes to your rights and privileges. And if I can hide it from you, then you can't walk in it. If you're ignorant of it, right, my, my practice, my life will never exceed my knowledge of something. That's why the book of uh, Habakkuk, no, Hosea, book of Hosea tells us that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, not for a lack of power, not for a lack of weapons, not for a lack of backing up by heaven, not for a lack of money, for a lack of knowledge. So it's important for us to come into the knowledge of some things, not just to say I know, but so that I can live out, walk out, put into practice and become everything that God has called us to be. Amen. And so right here, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we've looked at it for the last few weeks, but we'll start off here because it just lays our foundation. Verse 1, and I, brethren, meaning he's talking to the church, he's talking to you and I, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So we understood this first point, that being in Christ is not the end. Being in Christ is not the end goal. That's actually the starting line. And if we are more consumed, um, I'll go a little further, if we become more satisfied with entering in Christ rather than growing in Christ, then we have our interest in the wrong areas. And apparently Paul had an expectation that you ought to not remain babes in Christ. You come in as babes in Christ. You don't have any. You don't have any other option. You don't get to come in grown up. You don't get to come in as an adolescent. You don't get to come in as a mature believer. We all come in as babes in Christ. But apparently, how we started is not how we should stay. We shouldn't remain there. He's got an expectation that. Uh, you are, you were babes in Christ. In verse two, he says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now are still not able. He's, he's, he's communicating, he's implying, I thought I was gonna come back and be able to share with you on a different level. I thought I was gonna be able to come back and communicate different things to you. I thought I was gonna be able in this time around be able to share with something, share something with you a little deeper, a little further, a little more progressed, a little more advanced than where we started last time. But I've come back and I have found out I've got to stay where I'm at. And so this is the second thing we understand, that if there's levels to being in Christ, that these levels determine the communication I can handle. That I have to talk to babes in Christ differently than I can talk to mature in Christ. Hello. And he uses a very simple uh, uh, foundational principle that we understand in the natural, that you cannot feed babies the same way you would would feed an adult. That you cannot feed babies what you would give a mature person. Not just because they don't like it, it's because they cannot handle it. They cannot handle it. Now, have you ever noticed, you know, we, we've got a two and a half year old and 
you know, it's, it's funny because it feels like every day or even like he, he's down in St. Augustine with my wife's parents right now. When we, when he comes back, I promise you, when he comes back the end of this week or beginning of next week or whenever that is, he's going to look like six months bigger than when I dropped him off. And he doesn't eat that much. But have you noticed that babies grow quickly and develop quick? I mean, you, you cram a lot in those first two years. There's a lot of stuff that they learn how to, I mean, big stuff, learn how to walk, learn how to talk, learn how to respond, learn when nap time is, learn when bedtime is, learn when it's time to get up, learn how to do this. I mean, there's a lot of things. And, and even in their growth and in their development on that little chart that they show you every time you take them to an appointment, it's just boom, 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 boom. And it's like, wow, that happened fast. So apparently God knows what he's doing. This is not withholding to slow the pace. This is withholding in a way to set the pace of this is what you need at this age. And if we try to give you too much too soon, it could actually stunt your growth. It can prohibit your ability or capacity to be able to handle that even later on. God knows what he's doing. He knows what you need and what he needs, what you need in those developmental stages and those developmental seasons. And the crazy thing about Austin, our two-and-a-half-year-old, is we won't abandon necessarily things that he's taking and eating and drinking now. Like, I mean, I still drink milk today. Milk's one of my favorite. I, eat it, I drink milk with everything. My, my family gets on to me. They're like, how do you drink milk with spaghetti? I love it. I drink milk with pizza. I just, now, there's still nothing like a Dr. Pepper with pizza. I, you just, you cannot top that. But I love milk. I didn't abandon milk. As, as, as a mature believer or more grown up than I was before, I didn't abandon the elementary principles. I built on to the elementary principles. But in that, in that season, in that beginning stage, that developmental stage, the, the milk of the word, I fed you with milk, and not with solid food. He's not degrading them. He's not demeaning them. You're just milk people. No, he's helping them understand that was necessary for a season, but I need to come back and hit on some things. I need to be able to give you some potatoes. I need to give you some steak. I need to give you some vegetables. Oh man, I tell you what, you are crippling your development when you pick and choose what you want and what you don't want in the word of God. Oh, we've got to stop doing that. We've got to stop figuratively ripping pages out of our Bibles that we don't jive with or don't experience. You know what I understand is comprehension is never a prerequisite to obedience. Oh man, if you could just get that one point, we could all go home right there. Understanding is not one of God's prerequisites to obedience. Well, when I understand it, I'll take the step. When it makes sense, I'll go out. No, he's talking to a man in a boat. He's walking on water. How do I know it's you, Lord? If it's you, bid me to come. Come. Well, when it makes sense how you're walking on water, when I can understand how this whole thing works, when I understand how this... No, he just stepped out on what? Faith. Obedience has nothing to do with understanding. Obedience has nothing to do with comprehension. 
You can study it theologically and theoretically and, 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 and discipline yourselves. We're going to see that in just a moment and still miss the very essence of what God is trying to demonstrate in your life. Your development will progress and advance much quicker when you learn how to say yes before he speaks. Your development will increase much greater. Parents, help your children understand this now. You don't need to understand why I need you to take out the trash. I just need you to take out the trash. Because I ain't sitting here this whole week with full trash cans, nowhere to put the trash. Right? Come on, we make these demands out of our kids, and yet God's making the same demand out of us, and we're sitting here with our arms folded. Well, it just doesn't make sense to do that. It doesn't make sense to ask them to forgive me when they need to be asking me to forgive you know, the other way around. This is how God operates. We put an emphasis on understanding. We put an emphasis on comprehension. We put an emphasis on it all making sense, and God doesn't. Why is that? Because we value the wrong things. When it comes to the word of God, we value different things than he does. He values obedience. He values a responsiveness to the word, a yieldedness, a posture that says, I'm yielded, Lord speak. And I promise you, when you want to talk about revelation, you want to talk about eyes of your understanding being open. You want to talk about wisdom beyond your years and beyond your age. Watch how much is opened up to you when you say yes before he gives a command. Whatever it is, Lord, you tell me, you show me, and I will do it. And, I mean, it'll be a fire hydrant. Revelation will open up to you. Revelation will show up directing your paths, ordering your steps. Amen? He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. So this is basically what we're trying to understand out of this passage. Maturity increases capacity. Maturity increases capacity. We're kind of coupling this, if you've been attending our services on the weekends, we're talking about living aware. We're talking about living with an awareness, being in tune to the things of the Spirit and to who God is. And we're getting rid of this idea that God is mystical and mysterious and, and only, only certain people can know and only certain people can comprehend and understand and only certain people can hear God's voice. We're getting rid of all that and we're helping, we're, we're, we're learning that God wants us to live in an awareness of him. That it's not even something I have to come and find out what God wants to do. I already know. I live with, with being so in tune that when a situation arises, I sh- I, I, I'm able to move on that and do what heaven would do, do what the Father would do. That's what we've been talking about on the weekends. But it, we've got to couple it with this idea that for, of this demand of growth and this demand of spiritual development because as I develop and as I grow and as I increase, it increases my capacity. So Paul says, uh, back to verse one, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, meaning I have to curve the direction I'd like to go. 
I have to limit. I have to restrain myself. I have to refrain from just exposing everything I want to expose. I have to, I have to limit what I can say, not because I don't know how to articulate it, not because I don't know where to, te- where to direct you and how to teach you, but because you are limited in the capacity in which I can deliver to you, what you can handle. And if I give you more than you can handle, see, maturity is important. If y'all remember the age of accountability, that means that I cannot hold a child to the same level of accountability that I would hold an adult. Right? There's innocence involved, and there's things that you just haven't learned yet, the things you haven't been exposed to yet, things that you aren't even capable of comprehending yet. A child can do something out of innocence that would get an adult in trouble. It's called the age of accountability. Well, you know, we have a spiritual age of accountability. But so if maturity increases capacity, guess what the reward for maturity is? Responsibility. Responsibility. That's the reward. As you grow, guess what? You get to do more. As you grow, as that increase, as the, as the capacity increases, guess what the reward is for that? Now I can give you more. You did well with two. You doubled it. You did well with five. You doubled it. Maturity increases your capacity for responsibility. And so Paul is doing a very wise thing here. Remember we said, it's the mercy of God sometimes to withhold what you cannot handle. When it comes to the word of God, when it comes to the knowledge of the word of God, the understanding of the word, the revelation of the word of God. This is exactly what Jesus meant when he said, you have ears to hear, but you do not hear. You have ears to hear, they should be hearing, but you don't hear. I used to think, I used to hear, I used to preach that Jesus used parables to teach things uh, to, to, as, as examples that we could comprehend and understand. That's not a true statement, although that's part of it. He taught in parables to hide the truth from those that didn't want to know, that didn't want to know. You go back to Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, and you find the template for all parables. He starts off with the parable of the sower, and then he gives the rest of that chapter, Matthew 13. He says, the kingdom of heaven is light. The kingdom of heaven is light. The kingdom of heaven is light. The kingdom of God is light. It goes on down. But he uses the first one, the parable of the sower, as the template for all. That unless the seed falls on good soil, it cannot produce a harvest. Again, results-oriented. Again, we're trying to get to a level of production. We're trying to get to uh, uh, when, when my capacity increases, my responsibility increases, my production increases. It's all connected. So he's trying to increase our capacity. And Paul is saying, I could not speak to you as spiritual. I could not 
give you the capacity of a spiritual person for you are still yet a carnal person. You are acting like a babe in Christ. The immaturity is costing us responsibility. Immaturity is limiting my capacity. We need to grow in these things. Amen. We need to develop in these things. We need to advance. We need to progress. We said it, uh, I think last week, I've said it before. If you're not interested in growing, alternatively, you must be interested in dying. In the kingdom. Because there is no plateau. There is no stagnant. There is no, I've, I've leveled off here. No, if you're not making advancements toward progression, then you are by default making advancements toward digression. Y'all with me? Okay. So we, we, we don't get the, we don't get the option. We don't get the choice to say, you know what? I've grown as far as I want to go. I don't want to be stretched anymore. I don't want to be tested anymore. And as you know, that's what the test is for. The test is for advancement. The test is for advancement. How many of you are currently in a test right now? A test physically, a test financially, a test in a relationship, and you know there's a test. You are well on your way to advancement. It is time to embrace the test. It is time to embrace. And think about it. The test is given not to keep you somewhere. The test is given to get you somewhere. Come on, my teachers, you know this. You test your students at the end of the year to get them out of your classroom, not keep them in your classroom. I need you to pass this test. But what does the test do? The test proves that you have mastered learned, comprehended, understood what you need in this level because when you get to the next level, it's going to demand what you knew here. If you don't get it here, I can't get you there. Amen. Come on, these these are natural principles. It's time that that we embrace the stretching. It's time that we embrace embrace the strengthening. It's time that we embrace the, the testing. It's the testing of your faith that produces. So it's time to, whatever test you're in, you need to thank God I'm passing this test. Thank God I'm overcoming this obstacle. Thank God that I'm proving that I gained, that I know. It, 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 it's, we, we cannot go through seasons of learning and understanding and, and coming into uh, wells of revelation, and then when the test shows up, boohoo and cry, and 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 I can't believe why is this happening? I can tell you why it's happening, because of everything you just learned, and just know you're you're you are one test away from advancing in the things of God. Amen. Amen. That ought to that that ought to. Perk your spirit up right there. Pump you up and and just straighten your back up. Throw your shoulders back. Get your chest high and say, I'm being tested so that I can advance and I can move forward and I can increase and that I can kick down the gates of hell because they will not prevail against me. Amen. 
Well, that wasn't in my notes. That's a free one. He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. So there's a capacity. There's a a level we weren't able to get to because of the maturity, because of the growth or the lack thereof. Uh, Go with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. See if we can move this thing along. John chapter 5 and uh, verse 37. Uh, Jesus is speaking. You notice we've camped out in John an awful lot between our weekends and even on these midweeks. Because Jesus communicates on a different level in the book of John than he really does in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He, he, he communicates on a little more intimate level. This is where you find the abide in me and, and I in you. This is where Jesus reveals, uh, you know, the seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, come on, give me another one. Okay, y'all are great at that. Okay. I am the living water. You will not thirst again. I am the bread of life. Huh? I am the true vine. Yeah, you are the branches. They're in there. There's seven of them, I believe, right? He's really getting, he's really getting intimate. He's really connecting. It's actually, uh, the book of John starts, uh, it's interesting how it starts. In, in verse 1, he starts all the way, chapter 1, verse 1, at the beginning of time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then when we get to Jesus' ministry, we actually only start about six months out from his crucifixion. So we're starting, we're, we're showing up right at the end, right as things begin to kind of tighten up a little bit. John chapter 6, I believe it is, is, is where he's preaching. He, he's communicating to a multitude, and they all begin to pack their bags and leave. Disciples, followers. And he looks at his own disciples, the 12, right, that he handpicked. And he says, you going to go too? Like, everybody's leaving. Everybody's checking out. We love the Jesus that everybody follows and camps out on the mountainside and, 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 and watches the miracles and signs and wonders. But there's a Jesus that shows up in the book of John that's like, I don't know if I can keep going with this thing. I don't know if I, you know, you're talking about eating your flesh and drinking your blood and, and you leaving father and mother. And, and, and I didn't sign up for all that. I, the miracles, the signs, that's cool stuff right there. But, you know, we're ending up on the wrong side of the, the line on this thing. So he really starts getting tight with some of this stuff. He really starts getting down to what is most important. He knows he's nearing the end. He knows he's coming to the, the close of his ministry. And in John chapter 5, uh, he's speaking to the Pharisees and to the religious leaders. And look what he says in verse 37. John chapter 5, verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Uh, let's see. I need um, the, are we in the ESV? Give me the ESV, guys. Did I give you that one? Yeah, there we go. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness of me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. 
and you do not have his word abiding in you. That's what we've been talking about on the weekends. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom whom he has sent. Look at this in verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You search the scriptures, verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Well, for them, the religious group, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the scriptures were nothing more than a disciplinary code. The scriptures were no more than religious program and ritual. The scriptures, in fact, uh, Jesus identified, I believe it's in Matthew chapter 15, he says, you actually love your tradition more than the commands of God. Oh, they love their traditions. They love their human uh, discipline. They love their regiments. They love their practice. They love their look at me. They, they wore the right outfit and they, they went to the right place at the right time and did the right things and, and they had their whole program lined out. But at the end of the day, they had no love, value, or honor for Jesus himself. And they were searching the scriptures. They had their nose in between the page but couldn't pick up long enough to look and see that the word was standing right in front of them. Life was standing right in front of them. Eternal life was standing right in front of them. And they say, and, and he even said, those scriptures that you're reading point to me. There's over 300 Old Testament prophecies that point to the man that was standing right in front of them. And because they thought he was going to come as some great king, and they thought that he was going to come as royalty, and they thought he was going to come as some in, in great glory. I mean, at one point they even said, you know, what good comes from Nazareth? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. They, they deemed him an earthly man from the wrong place, with the wrong education, with the wrong background, from the wrong family, come on, and missed what was right in front of them. And this is what happens when we are on this journey of maturity, when we're on this journey of development. If we value the wrong things, we will not come to the same conclusions that God comes to. They didn't even value Jesus in his simplest form. There was a time that Jesus did all this ministry, and man, he could go abroad. The hardest place to minister is at home. The hardest, anybody can minister far away where they don't know you. The hardest place to minister is at home where folks know you. And they know who you've been with, and they know what you've done, and they can only see the past and maybe the present, but they cannot see your future. And he said, a prophet is without honor, except for his own hometown. He went back home, and it's the only time in all of Scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only time it says he could do no mighty work there. It's the only time he was limited in his capacity to minister as he would do everywhere else because of their unbelief, their doubt, their questioning, their challenging. They, 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 they knew of the great signs. And they heard the powerful word. They just couldn't reconcile where it was coming from. 
They just couldn't recognize, they couldn't reconcile, who does that guy think he is doing all those things? And they missed Jesus who was right. And ultimately, we know, kill him, murder him, put him on the cross. And so Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Yet it's that, it is those scriptures that bear witness about me. Let's go look at the, the Amplified real quick, verse 37 in the Amplified. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Not one of you has ever given ear to his voice or seen his form, his face, what he is like. You have always been deaf to his voice and blind to the vision of him. Golly. You have not his word, his thought, living in your hearts. Living, that's what we're talking about. Abiding, becoming aware, living aware. You do not have his word living in your hearts because you do not believe and adhere to and trust in and rely on him whom he has sent. That is why you do not keep his message living in you, because you do not believe in the messenger whom he has sent. You search and investigate and pour over the scriptures diligently. I'll tell you right now, you are not going to discover more of what God wants for your life from analysis. You're not going to discover what God wants for you, his purpose, his plan, from analyzing. In fact, I've learned that the, the more analytical people are, the harder they have at just following and obeying scripture as it is laid out. Because they got to know every twist and turn. I'm, I'm like that. I'm like that. I got to have it all laid out before, before, we, stay, before we say go. And, and, there, and, and there are times for that. Jesus himself said, no one builds a city without first counting the cost. No one goes to war without first identifying what is this going to cost. So sure, to get in this thing, you got to understand, man, it's going to cost me something. But, 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 but trying to have it all laid out, trying to have an all-knowing approach, trying to have, okay, I've checked that, I've done that, I've done that. Okay, now let's go. I feel comfortable. I feel God is trying to remove you from your comfort. You can have comfort or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. You can have comfort or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. You're going to sacrifice one for the other. And we live in a culture today, they will sacrifice growth all day long for comfort, for convenience, for does it line up? Does it make sense? Do I understand? So in our growth process, in our development process, we're going to have to learn, like we talked about last week, learning to value the simplicity. Jesus came as a simpleton. Now he was God in the flesh. He was royalty. Those things didn't, those things weren't his identity, and he knew that. The Bible says that he stripped off that heavenly royalty and became just like you and I. But yet he's still the Son of God, and he knows that. He knows his plan, he knows his purpose, he knows his assignment. You could never challenge that. Couldn't he wasn't insecure? Jesus wasn't insecure. Nobody likes me. Everybody's leaving me. No, he knew who he was. It was us that didn't recognize who he was. And therefore, we missed out on what was sitting right in front of us. No, he says, 
that you search and you investigate and you pour over the scriptures. Doesn't make sense that this simple person from Nazareth would be the Messiah. Doesn't make sense that we know his mother and his father. Doesn't make sense that he's just a carpenter. It doesn't make sense that he has these 12, you know, at the end of the day, uh, losers following him. Simple folk, fishermen, tax collectors, sinners. I mean, he did not pick the best of the best, the cream of the crop. Jesus did not go looking for the top-tier religious leader, and he didn't go to the temple, and he didn't go to the, the, to the, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes and the, and the elders and say, this, these, these are the people that I know to reinforce, that, that I need to have to reinforce my mission and my message. He picked simple people to be the one that would bring entrance of his kingdom into the earth. So that, none of that made sense. And so they're pouring over, searching, investigating the scriptures diligently. But because, you, but because you suppose and trust that you have eternal life through them, and these very scriptures testify about me. And still, this is it. You are not willing, but refuse to come to me so that you might have life. In another passage, and we saw this a little bit last week, in John chapter 16. That was Jesus speaking to the, the Pharisees and Sadducees saying, I, I, I can't, you, you've missed what is right in front of you. If you continue to miss what is right in front of you, I cannot advance. I cannot give you more. I cannot go deeper. I cannot share with you what you refuse to know. It's different than not knowing. Right? There's a difference. Not knowing is ignorance. I just don't know. Refusing to know is stupidity. Come on. Right? I heard someone say the other day, they said, uh, when you die, you don't know it, and everyone else is left to bear the pain. The same goes when you're stupid. <laughs> you don't know it? And everyone else is left to bear the pain. Come on, if I'm ignorant, I can learn. I can find out. I didn't know then, but I can know now. But if I'm stupid, that means I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I refuse to see it that way. You can't help those. Do you know that there are people in life you just can't help? Anybody ever come across that person? I can't help those that don't want help, right? I can't help those that only want help their way. And I can't help those that don't know they need help. It's three types of people you cannot help in life. They don't know they need help. They don't want help. And they only want help their way. You're beyond help. And that's what he's trying to identify with these, these religious leaders is, is it's not that God doesn't want to redeem you. God doesn't want to restore you. It's not that God doesn't want to deliver you, but you refuse it and it's right in front of you. Your deliverance is right in front of you. Your Messiah is right in front of you. This kingdom that you keep talking about that's going to come one day, it's right here, right now. Don't look here and there for the kingdom. It's within you. Amen. Well, in John chapter 16 with his own disciples, this is what he says in verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them 
or to take them upon you. I'm reading out of the Amplified, guys. I, I have still many things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them or to take them upon you or to grasp them now. Maybe the reason why we're not hearing more is because we haven't developed our capacity to hear more. I haven't increased my capacity. I need to increase my capacity. I need to to develop myself to hear the voice of God, hear the things of God, know the things that God knows. He wants you to know those things. He wants to reveal those things. But look what he says in verse 13, again in the Amplified. But when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. How many of you want to know all the truth? Come on, all the truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God, right? The whole full truth. For he will not speak his own message on his own authority. Um, I'm not finishing, so that's somebody else's alarm. (laughs) That's not for me. (laughs) For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him. Now, I want to go back to something that I've been hitting on on Sundays. God wants you to know, and he's gone through a lot. He has done a lot so that you can know. Number one, we just saw that the scriptures reveal who he is. He just told them that. You're pouring over the scriptures that you don't even realize they point to me. You have his word. You have his word. It's amazing how many times I hear from people, I want to know, I need to know, but but when we talk about, well, what's your time in the word like? Uh, I I just, man, I just, it's just hard to to get a schedule, hard hard to keep up with, hard to, man, if we don't have a value for the written word, we'll never have a value for the spoken word. This is why the spoken word, the revealer of truth, the Holy Spirit, only speaks in line with this. Only speaks in line with this. You pour over scriptures. You search them diligently. You go through them. And yet you still miss. If we don't have a value for this as the written word of God, if we keep trying to subject it to our experience, if we keep trying to pull things out that don't make sense naturally. Come on, we, 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 no church has the right to remove Acts chapter 2 from the Bible. It's in there, whether you like it or not, whether it makes sense or not. Whether it whether you can comprehend how someone is speaking in another language, how a spirit can come upon someone and infill someone and endue them with power. Guys, we do not have the right to just skip over that because I don't understand it. We don't have the right to skip over that because, well, if I preach on that, people might leave or might think I'm weird. Oh, you want to talk about being weird? They thought they were drunk out of their minds. The first church service had to be explained. He had to get up and say, hey, 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 these aren't drunk as you suppose. But this is that. 
which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. (laughs) And it's funny because 3,000 people came into the kingdom that day. Maybe it's not as weird as we think it is. Come on. If we value the word, Paul said, I did not refrain from preaching to you the whole counsel of the word. My, my, my hands are clean. I gave you the full counsel. I withheld nothing. I, I, I ministered exactly what I was told to minister, and I didn't worry about who was going to like it and who wasn't. He, 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 he commend, uh, uh, commissioned Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. That doesn't just mean, you know, be ready to go at any time. That means in season and out of season means when people receive it and when they don't, you still preach it. I mean, nobody wants the assignment of I'm sending you to preach my word. Nobody's going to receive it, but you got to preach it. Nobody wants that assignment, but that's a necessary assignment. Jeremiah had that assignment. I'm just going to go ahead and let you right, let you know right now, not one person is going to listen to you, but I need you to preach it anyways. I need you to minister to it. I need you to minister to it, to them anyways. Right? There's got to be a value for this word. He says, when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole full truth. For he will not speak on his own message, on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father, he will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. You cannot tell me that the Spirit told you something that does not align with the Word of God, the written Word of God. We understand this, right? They, they work in unison. You will never get the Holy Spirit to disagree with the Father. You're not going to start a civil war. They're they're, they're not up there battling, well, you know, that's what I thought you meant. Well, that's not what I meant. You need to tell them. The the Holy Spirit says in line exactly the way the Father speaks it. It's no different. The same one that wrote it is the same one speaking it, communicating it through the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And so this is what he's saying. He says, there are things that you cannot bear now. There's a capacity that you're at now. And the only way you're going to increase your capacity, the only way you're going to go from this level to that level is by the Holy Spirit. Not by the pouring over the scripture. Not by the diligently reading it as a theological, historical book. There are different levels that we can see and receive the revelation of the word of God. And how am I going to develop? How am I going to progress? How am I going to advance? He's showing us here, you're going to have to have a capacity to listen to and lean on the Holy Spirit as the revealer of truth. The revealer of truth. God, it it, it just, we'll get into it next week. First Corinthians chapter two. These are only spiritually discerned. There are just some things in the word of God that you will never comprehend, never understand, never know, never have your eyes open to without the Holy Spirit, 
without the Holy Spirit, we are so limited. If you're in a, in a season where it just seems like it's hard to hear from God, it may be we're not relying and making demand on hearing from the Spirit of God as we should. Making time to hear His voice. And this is what I know about the Holy Spirit. He will not shout above everything that we have accumulated in our life. He won't do it. That still small voice, guess what? You're going to have to dial into it. You're going to have to tune into it. You're going to have to cut out some noise and cut out some distraction and cut out some of the other wavelengths that are intercepting the word of the Spirit. That are not allowing the Holy Spirit to cut through the noise. One's got to give. One's got to bow to the other. What are we in tune to? What are we listening to? What are we uh, uh, giving value and giving time and giving honor? Over in uh, Mark chapter 4, I believe it is, when he gives the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, in the Amplified, if you go down, I think it's verse 24, he says, the same measure of thought and study you give is the same that you'll get back. What's he saying? What you put in is what you get out. You know, just several years ago, the reason why we saw so many people motivated by fear, motivated by anxiety, motivated by concern, motivated by it's the end of the world, thinking, because that's what they were filling up on. That's what they were tuned into. And it dictated everything. It, It literally dictated every decision they made where they went, what they did, what they didn't do. No, we need to give attention to the right voices. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to direct us as he, and and this is what I love, he's good at what he does. Oh, he's so good. He can reveal more than you'll ever know, more than you think you can handle. He will reveal so much to you. Let's rely on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.